Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ladies and gentlemen, hello there, and welcome to another Wednesday night here on Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, YouTube.com slash Fightful. Yes, you are here tonight for the Wednesday Night Wars podcast. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes, and tonight we are going to be talking about AW Dynamite and NXT. My goodness, and there's a lot of stuff that happened tonight. A lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get to that very shortly. But of course, we got to tell you about, we got to tell you about stuff. We got to tell you about Fightful Select, of course, because Fightful Select is a really, really good way to show some support for everything that is done here at Fightful. Everything we do on a weekly basis, top to bottom, from the writers to the podcasters to uh to sean <laughs> if you want to show support all across the board that's the best way to do it get on over to fightfulselect.com become a subscriber there and you'll get access to a whole bunch of extra content stuff that you won't necessarily see on uh, on the main site extra content like uh sean's weekly backstage report uh his q a sessions uh you'll have extra content from the list and your boy uh, with uh, with Jimmy Van and, and Sean Ross Sapp again. You'll have Steven Jensen who does the Weekender Report. You got, look, tons of stuff. Uh, uh, previews to news items, little, little pre-scoops, little pre-scoopsies before the scoopsies become full-blown scoopsies. You can see actually the evolution, the, 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 uh, the birth and the nurturing of a scoop before it actually becomes a full-blown scoop. Over on Fightful Select. And like I said, it's a great way to show some support for uh, for everything that's that's going on here. And what is going on here right now, as I said, is the Wednesday Night War podcast. And I am joined tonight, once again, by one Robert DeFelice, writer here at Fightful and other fantastic places. Robert, how are you, sir? I'm good. I uh, I feel like singing, Warren, but I won't. Because I can't undo what's what's been done. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it because we, yeah, Robert did warn me beforehand that uh, that he doesn't sing, so we don't want we don't want to spoil the mood all that much. So we'll just continue writing that high. Uh, however, if you do like to have your 
your mood spoiled when it comes to WWE Raw and WWE SmackDown, you can join Alex Pawlowski on Fightful Select twice a week with, for Sour Grabs, where he reviews the, sh- the ongoing shenanigans that happen over on <laughs> Raw. That happens on Raw and SmackDown. Yep. Yeah, all that sh- shenanigans. Shenanigans, yeah. clearly. Uh, I... Uh, I, I want to know if you guys are ex- as excited for uh, the hells that are going to be in a cell this weekend, especially that one between Randy and, and Drew, since the main event of, of Raw was just Randy coming out and no selling his seven career Hell in a Cell matches to get us all amped up for his eighth career no Hell in a Cell match. Oh, that's going to be that's going to be great. Hell in a no sell match. That's that's going to be a lot of fun. Quite frankly, Alex, they bless you with enough content that I'm surprised you're able to join us every week because you should still be recording. I was <laughs> That's called editorial prowess. That's what it that's what it is. It's a miracle that my episodes are only 90 minutes long. Uh, by the way, folks, starting on November 4th, just a, a bit of, uh, a bit of housekeeping here. Starting on no- November 4th, the, uh, the Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night podcast is going to, uh, have a new start time at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, just to give, give us all a little more room to breathe, sort of absorb the show and then lead into it. So in two weeks time, November 4, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's what's going to uh, that's what's going to happen. And otherwise, if you want more stuff to happen tonight, some all sorts of crazy stuff, well, you can leave, you can drop us a super chat. That's another good way to show some support, by the way. And I will read your question or comment right here on the air, uh, such as uh, such as uh, um, Evan Wright left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Evan, who said I I need Alex's breakdown of that MJF Jericho segment. Oh, listen, I think I think the entire panel. Has uh, has a few thoughts on that yeah. one. Don't worry, uh, it'll be more of a roundtable affair here. Uh, you can leave us a super chat, and uh, per usual, um, and, and per usual, uh, if if your uh, super chat has uh, it, it has something to do with a particular segment, I will get to it at that specific moment. But before we do anything else, gentlemen, Robert De Felice, the dude. Who won today? Yes. NXT or AEW? Well, AEW had singing. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to match singing. I know NXT had a lot of good things going for it, the, but did, did anybody sing? I know there was some whistling, but was there any singing? Well, we're going to have to turn over to Alex Pulaski, who's usually on the NXT beat. Who won tonight, Alex? Uh, well, there wasn't any singing, but there was a third nut shot to, de- to do a, decide a match on the WWE umbrella in less than a week so i'm gonna go with aew let's go ahead then and start with aew uh and we're gonna start straight off with the super chat from uh from evan wright once again thank you very much evan he says aew had one of its best episodes of the COVID era tonight penta versus phoenix is the match of the year contender imo mox eddie stuff ruled mjf jericho stuff ruled Hard to argue against, uh, hard to argue against that, but we'll get into it. Thank you very much, Evan. Lots of good stuff there. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. We open up the show tonight with the uh, first, uh, the first match of the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament, where we had Wardlow versus Jungle Boy, uh, and uh, this was uh, a big man, small man match, but was done in a very, very interesting way. Um, Jungle Boy tries to 
chop down Wardlow. He goes for a run off the apron, and Wardlow catches him and power bombs him right against the ring post. And of course, you know, throughout the match, Wardlow uses his strength. He tosses Jungle Boy around, he power bombs him, some clotheslines. Uh, Jungle Boy hits a top rope, Hurricane Rana, uh, as he's reversing out of an avalanche F10 uh attempt which would have been cool to see if we're completely honest with each other would have been cool and uh but we do get some we get two f10s after that we get one uh from wardlow outside of the ring back into the ring and then a second one um that jungle boy just flew i think he's still airborne as we speak um man robert wardlow is so athletic and smooth he Uh, yeah, JR pointed it out, right? Like we don't see him wrestle enough on AEW. And I think when it does happen, it captivates our attention. And for good reason, he's really good at what he does. I didn't, and I don't know if you heard, but big athletic men sell tickets, Robert. I think JR told us that a couple of times. I wonder if he was sending a message to someone. I, I think, I think Jim Ross genuinely gets excited when he can call things that he actually believes in. <laughs> and one thing Jim Ross has believed in for many, many years is that big athletic man sell tickets. This was a surprise. I thought for sure Jungle Boy was going to go over just because, really? hey, next week we can have the babyface, babyface, Jungle Boy, hangman. That'll be a fun AEW style match. The right match, the right match happened here and the right guy won. I like Ward Lowe doing the double F10. I liked it from the outside into the ring. Wardlow is not under AEW contract. He's under MJF contract. I'm That's surprised true. there was no MJF at ringside, but clearly the man was warming his vocal cords. That's okay. I, I Look, I like it. Wardlow hangman next week. It should be a good one. It should be a good one. Uh, Jordan Hanley left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Jordan, for the super chat. He says, uh, Jungle Boy has yet to not impress me when given the chance to shine in a singles match, and I hope he gets the rub real soon. Um, you know, uh, Alex and Sean and I, uh, when Sean was around, we used to talk often about how uh, how Jurassic Express is super over uh, and uh, and that you can only keep them over for so long without having them win the big match, Robert. I mean, I think slowly but surely we're getting to a point where if we want, no one wants to cheer for a loser and uh, we want to cheer for Jungle Boy, but you got to give us reasons to get behind him. Well, if nobody wants to cheer for a loser, can you explain why all eight men in this tournament are unranked in their ranking system that matters so much with their sports centric presentation? Hey, now, hey, now we're going to talk about that in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you. just asking. Thank you again, uh, Jordan, for the super chat. Um, next, we cut to a segment where we get Eddie Kingston's unhinged post-show remarks that uh, that happened last week as he was still wearing his Montreal Expos jersey. Um, he he's, continues the same thing going down the, the road where Mox sold out. He calls him a low life. He says he has a lovely wife and was making millions of dollars for an entertainer while he had nothing. And this was Alex. I didn't know if you, you were you were going like this. But I, I guess you picked up a little bit on it. This this is the raw Eddie Kingston. I think that got him a job at oh, AEW, yeah. and not only got him a job, got him put into a world title program after being hired in July. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, listen. This is the thing about this. Um. I obviously first saw this promo after the thing when somebody 
in the in the audience at Daly's place last week said, uh, so Eddie Kingston kept yelling at, <laughs> at Mox's unconscious body for like five minutes after the show went off the air. Here it is from my nosebleed seats. And it was riveting. Like you couldn't see anything. The video was all grainy. He was a hundred feet away. But my God, like it made you feel like it was wrestling again. You know, like these guys personal vendettas they hate each other because they love each other so much because they hate each other so much that's great i can't I mean he's he he sold me a ticket you know what i mean like th- there's the thing like yeah like, i made jokes about it the way to sell me a ticket to randy orton's eighth hell in a cell match of his career is not for him to say i was in seven hell in a cell matches and i'm fine like that doesn't sell me a ticket to that match Eddie Kingston sold a lot of tickets with that promo. And the fact that they said, you know what, that was so great. Let's let's make sure we run it the next week so everybody can see that. And then the the Mox and, and Kingston video packages, like the, those little interviews they did during the camera, those things were superb. Well, that's the that uh, that's uh, that's what followed up. Uh as Ale- as Alex mentioned, Mox basically responding to all of this, saying that he doesn't have, even recognize this whining Eddie Kingston and he's not going to apologize. For buying his house, uh, his mother a house, or buying his house a mother, I can't quite remember. Uh, and uh, doing everything to provide for his family. Um, and he says, he basically tells Kingston, when everything goes wrong, when nothing goes your way, you'll have no one but yourself to blame. And later, Eddie Kingston, after hyping up uh, the Butcher and the Blade in the main event, he says he hates what he's become, but he's getting the AEW World Championship. And he's going to bring Mox into a very, very dark place, a place that he lives in. Robert, I mean, this is a full circle kind of situation. I agree with Alex, especially when AEW is in a position where they actually they actually have to sell you a ticket because you have to pay for the pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, this was fine, fine professional wrestling promotional abilities. It really was. And look, I, I want to knock the fact that Eddie Kingston has already lost a championship match and is not on the rankings and is still getting a title match. And that does bother me to a degree, as does the fact that they're seemingly fighting over John Moxley being hired by WWE when they're both in another promotion. Now, that being said, these guys are so good on the mic that they remind you what pro wrestling is. Mm-hmm. So you can throw all that other stuff out the window for five seconds because Suspension of disbelief is there. These guys hate each other. They're going to beat the hell out of each other. And I'm sold. Evan Wright left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Again, Evan, he says, WWE wanted him as a coach. He should be on TV weekly. Yep. And he was about to, he was contemplating retirement as well. Kind of wild when you think about it. So here's the problem, though. You get to full gear. What happens when Moxley has to win again? What happens to Eddie Kingston then? Like, what happened to Lance Archer? Nowhere to be found this week. What happened to Brody Lee, who quickly came in, got the shot against Moxley, and lost? It is a bit of an issue when you're pushing these guys straight to the top because they're going to lose. And I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there because this promo was damn good. And I appreciated this week's jersey choice from Eddie Kingston. A Syracuse University, Carmelo Anthony, and... You know what? He's got my vote just for wearing that jersey. I mean, I, I, I would, I would, and I see your point, Robert, about the Eddie Kingston having to lose thing. 
number one, I'm not convinced he is going to lose um, because there's there's too many variables there. It's it's AEW. They might want to inject something completely un- unforeseen into their title picture. It doesn't mean Mox couldn't pick it back up later anyway. But I love his little promo to the camera where he says, um, I- "I've never, I don't quit." Um, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna make me quit, you're gonna have to go to this incredibly dark, dark place. Um, I live in that place. Like the way he says it in that moment makes me makes me feel like there's a if he quits, it's going to be because like John Moxley pulls one of his teeth out with a pair of pliers, like <laughs> something that makes Moxley have to snap. So we have so we so the story is. Eddie Kingston loses his second title match, but the story is actually John Moxley had to go insane to keep his title belt. And now what do you do? Because I want to see that John Moxley on AEW television. That'd be interesting. I, I, I believe AEW could get something good out of having to have Eddie Kingston say, I quit. I don't believe that necessarily NXT would get something out of that because they would just, you know, move on call a guy up to raw and never actually use him you know i think we saw last year at full gear moxley can go to that place he will go to that place that will make his wife very uncomfortable on twitter (laughs) and this time she can tweet about it freely and it'll be a good it'll be a good show on november 7th evan wright left us a super chat again thank you very much evan he says, I need Eddie Family versus Inner Circle. I need that now. Well, I think we're saving that for blood and guts when we can get people into an arena. DGMC left us a super chat. Thank you very much, DGMC. He says, does Mox Kingston go to the extremes of Mox and Kenny Omega? I think they go further because I think I Eddie think Kingston so. is a rugged brawler who can just beat the crap out of you with whatever he gets his hands on. And that's what Mox needs to challenge him. And with that, as we, I, I, that's when it was announced, of course, that the AEW World's title was going to be defended at full gear. Uh, Eddie Kingston versus a champion John Moxley in an I Quit match. Oh boy! Yes, it will go to more extremes. AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament second match: Sunny Kiss. What well, match? Sunny Kiss versus Kenny Omega. Robert, before we talk about the match. What did you think of Kenny Omega's entrance tonight? Well, it was longer than the match. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I, look, I get the cleaner. I get the brooms. You got the, the cheerleaders there. They're utilizing what they have at their disposal. But I don't know if you're selling everybody. It seemed like a very niche entrance. Does everybody get what they're getting with Kenny right now? I don't know. I don't think so. But Kenny gets to run right through his competition, so that's important. I, 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 but you're right. You know, I this is. But I think this is what this is one of Kenny Omega's strengths, and it's one of AEW's strengths. Uh, is that it plays it plays to its base, and it plays to people who pay attention. Whereas we have another company who doesn't give a crap if you pay attention or not; they're just going to do whatever they hope, want. Hope, hopes that you don't actually, or hopes that you don't. Uh, whereas Kenny tonight, he's going to drop these little, these little nuggets and you're either going to pick up on them or not. And if you do, well, you're just rewarded for being a Kenny Omega fan and being here. And it's kind of a thank you. And that's good. That's good for a fan. Cause let's not forget AW was built as a grassroots, uh, through a grassroots movement. It was built through social media, word of mouth, 
BTE. That's how it was created. They know they're not dummies. They know what they're doing. But they do, t- know, they do know what they're doing. But I also think maybe you waited too long. And listen, they have hit you over the head with it in recent interviews. Kenny Omega is the main focal point of year number two, which is a smart move because he should have been the focal point of year number one because that's what brought you to the dance. And I think they waited a little too long to pull the trigger on Kenny Omega. Well, he pulled the trigger tonight. A V trigger to be Yeah, he did. And a one-winged angel and your boy Sunny Kiss or your girl uh, was uh, completely, uh, completely eradicated. That was that. The cleaner's back, man. Uh, this was exactly what it needed to be. Unfortunate situation with Joey Janela. You know, we hope everything is good with him. He was in the ring with AJ Gray, who tested positive for COVID. Hope AJ recovers quickly. Seeing as Sunny Kiss wasn't announced and wasn't to be in this tournament. It just makes Kenny look stronger. And that's exactly what you needed. Now we were talking about the rankings, Robert, just as we were going in. And I I think in all due fairness, we do have to bring this up because one, again, another company gives opportunities to losing wrestlers. It just blows our mind. When we have Timothy Thatcher getting opportunities after opportunity after opportunity, nothing against Timothy Thatcher. He's a fantastic wrestler. But when he's booked to lose every time and he keeps getting opportunities, uh, we sort of point it out and we sort of tear our uh, tear at our hair and we go, what the hell? I understand that no one in the tournament is ranked, which is weird. And you, your substitute is not only someone who isn't ranked, but someone who has a losing record as well, Robert. Um, yes, there's the Joey Janellis connection that, you know, tag team partner, what the, but they really could have pulled up just about anyone at this point. Right. I think it would behoove them to just say, listen, we tried it with the rankings. We're not going to do it going forward. It's just easier to tell stories in another way. There's nothing wrong with admitting you got it wrong. Just scrap it. I agree at this point. I don't think the rankings bring anything. I think it rankings are fun, but if you're not going to use it, just like anything in wrestling, if you're not going to use it, just don't and stop making us believe like, uh, like the brand split. You, yeah. You oh make- my God. That's a different podcast entirely. <laughs> it's a shame. You know, I guess uh, El Gran Gordo couldn't make it. I know he's a free agent. I don't know why he wasn't available for this. Yeah, they, well, they, they could have they retaliated on the Ben Carter situation and scooped that guy up. They didn't scour the globe to find the greatest luchador <laughs> in the world. Clearly, gentlemen. I don't know what they happened they, there. They, they, like, they didn't scour the globe. That's what Tucker did. He had to scour the globe. Yeah. Orange Cassidy uh, has a quick interview with Tony Schiavone where Tony gets frustrated because Orange isn't really answering his questions. And what else do we expect? He's having a a TNT match, uh, TNT title match next week. And uh, we cut to an earlier today scene where Cody arrives in a limousine, talks about his rematch uh, against uh, Orange Cassidy next week. Uh, He says he's surprised that it's happening so fast, that AEW is making this happen so fast. Come on, Cody. Don't, don't don't do that. But there may be a stipulation. Here's the two things that we learned out of this quick interview, Robert. There might be a stipulation added to the match. And Dasha 
backhandedly called Cody fat saying that he gained 14 pounds, but he's, I'm kidding. Of course she didn't do that. I'm just being, just being yeah. jokey, joking, but Cody's saying I'm going heavyweight now. That's interesting. I'm going legit heavyweight says Cody. Legit. Heavyweight. Um, so he called himself AEW's giant killer. He's clearly blurring the lines as are all of the members of the elite. Maybe that's what we're working towards. It's just a full, the elite are just heels now. I don't know. Maybe that's what we're getting to. Um, there will be a stipulation. It is a lumberjack match, which is interesting because then Cody will have to go and wrestle Darby Allen in a regular match because sure, that makes all the sense in the world. I, I'm not, I don't want to knock them too much. It's just like, come on guys. It really wouldn't kill you to just apply a little bit more logic and make the stakes for your pay-per-view instead of for your weekly television show. I agree. I completely agree. Uh, next, we have the uh, next, uh, the third match in the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament. Penta L0M versus Ray Phoenix. The uh, the Lucha Brothers shake their hands at first. There's some back and forth. Man, they trade some open hand chops. My good God. Stuff. That was good stuff. Phoenix hits a corkscrew, a corkscrew drive off the top turnbuckle to the floor. Uh, he also goes for a he hits a top rope hurricane run, and he seems a little rocked later because Penta does a like a rolling DDT, and I don't think uh, I don't think Phoenix really followed through on it. Anyway, uh, Audrey uh, Audrey Hepburn Audrey no Hepburn. wrong Audrey. It, it, I mean, you know, it would have it would have been equal parts <laughs> that weird. Been news. It would it would have <laughs> been equal parts charming, equal parts weird. I think the musical number got to you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's exactly it. I've, okay, I've, I've been I've been taken to another epoch. Uh, the, uh, but, uh, referee Aubrey Edwards was checking on, uh, Phoenix quite a bit, uh, before moving forward, but, um, he, uh, he does hit a springboard top rope Spanish fly on Penta pop-up power bomb by Pentagon as well, but it's a tornado destroyer by Phoenix. I don't know how to call it outside of that, uh, that, uh, gets the win for our boy Ray Phoenix here. Uh, as they say in the business, Robert. Mm. This was good shit. This was a certified banger. Like, if you look up certified bangers in the dictionary, this comes up. Imagine that. You put two guys who know how to wrestle, who know each other very well. It's good. I was a little surprised that uh, Phoenix won with the Destroyer because it's 2020. Who even wins with the Destroyer these days? That's like a rest spot. I, but, it, but it was a wacky Destroyer. That's that, why I said that it's is like a tornado Destroyer. I'm not even sure how to call it. That is true. The more rotations and flips you add, the more devastating a move is. That is 100% true. This was really good. Phoenix was doing like Super Mario jumps out of the sky. Uh, Pentagon flat out flipped him all the way up in the air before bringing him down with the power bomb. And I, I loved every minute of this. I could watch this match. A lot more. It was really good. I loved it. I absolutely fantastic. Um, Evan Wright actually left us a super chat, and he uh, thank you very much, Evan. He said that Pentagon power bomb spot ruled. Fantastic. The pop up power bomb. I guess we're talking about where Phoenix sort of just reached for the heavens. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was amazing. We see a recap of the events that led to uh, Miro and Kip hating the good friends. This still sucks. Just, I want to just, just put that out there. This is still awful. 
and then we have um, uh, Reynolds and Silver who are backstage saying that tonight is their biggest opportunity. Colt Cabana is there as well. And he says he's going to win the tournament with the support of his friends. But Re- Silver says, mm, not, we're not your friends. John Silver is amazing. John yeah. Silver is gold. I don't, imagine John Silver and Rockstar Spud on camera together. Like that's comedy gold. It would be. It would work really well. Uh, he does say that the entire Dark Order is going to be out for the TNT title match next week. So we can only hold our breath that um, Brody Lee might still be involved in this in some point. At some point. The- well, uh, Silver was like, he's going to get his belt back. So it is a Lumberjack match. Maybe half the Lumberjacks will be Dark Order. I we'll guess we'll see. see. We'll see what happens. The uh, final match of the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament, at least in the first round, happened. Hangman Page defeated Colt Cabana. Evil Uno comes out with Cabana. Listen, a lot of back and forth. Um, our boy uh, Adam Page goes for the hits. The standing shooting star press, the Pescado. Cabana does a head scissors takedown and the uh, flip flop and fly elbow as well. Uh, Page hits a German suplex into a bridge. Cabana does a diving splash off the apron to the floor. Cabana avoids a first buckshot, buckshot lariat, hits the Superman, but Page kicks out. And immediately after that, goes for another buckshot lariat. That one lands. Colt Cabana is defeated. Adam Page moves on. Not much of a surprise here, Robert. Like we've said when we talked about the tournament um, when it when it was first announced, I think that the ending here is telegraphed. This was a fine match. Yeah, just because it's telegraphed doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Uh, this may be the best Colt Cabana match I've ever seen as it happened. And... I thought it was good. I don't expect much from Cabana in 2020, but this was very good. DGMC left us a super chat. Thank you very much, DGMC. He says, does this make Phoenix Eddie Kingston's best friend? I I do believe that is what they were fighting over, yes. Well, there you go. Um, We get a Matt Hardy vignette, apparently from the Hardy compound, where he's burning things that involve involve, um, uh, Sammy Guevara. Next, we have Team Taz who come to the ring to cut a promo. Uh, Taz says there's two problems. The first problem is that Will Hobbs still hasn't uh, still hasn't answered his invitation to join Team Taz. And the second problem is Darby Allen, who has an opportunity at full gear to win the TNT title, but not Darby, who has uh, not, excuse me, Ricky Starks, who has won nine of his last ten matches. Hey, look, this is exactly what we're arguing, Robert. He makes a compelling uh, case, if you ask me. They're calling themselves out, so that means it's got to go somewhere. <laughs> I imagine Will Hobbs screws Darby Allen out of oh. the championship on November 7th, and that's when we know he is Team Taz all the way. Ricky Starks, hell of a promo. <laughs> They're going to have some, uh, some good stuff when they get in the ring again, but this was fine for what it was. Patel Ron 6 left us a super chat to lead us into this next segment. Thank you very much, Patel Ron. He says, Robert, today is the day to go off on MJF. Because oh. we are going to talk about the Dîner de Bonheur that happened this evening, where MJF and uh and MJ where MJF and Chris Jericho were in a restaurant and were ordering steak and we're trying to outdo each other on the doneness of the steak. Now I don't know what compelled. I mean, personally, MJF has lost points for a 20 ounce porterhouse steak. Well done. Get the hell out of here. 
Hit the brakes, MJF. Go back to yeah, wherever. Unacceptable. A true heel. A true yeah, heel yeah, really. move. I, so, I I would have bought this segment more if he had just gotten the steak well done, smothered it in JR's ketchup, and was like, oh, this is the only way to eat a steak. <laughs> Look, and I, I don't know if this person was telling me to go off on MJF because MJF said I'm about as charismatic as making paint dry. I, look, I don't know. I thought that this was funny, but to say, to be from New York, first of all, and to say that you eat your steaks... Well done. It's just, that is just a sin. No, it's, it's never mind awful. the bit for a second where they're all out doing each other about medium well, medium rare. You eat a steak, medium rare, and that that's it. That is the only acceptable way to order a steak. What is this? It, no, it's, it's no. Uh, there's no. There's no proper. There's no proper explanation. You just. There's. You can't defend that. It's. It's a heel move. It's a dick move. Is what it is. It's just as simple as that. They they banter a little back and forth, but then out of nowhere, Robert, they break into song, <laughs> into a musical jazz zoot style duo duet, where they're you know one of these friendly rivalry banter th- things, and I mean they the set that they have there was curtain set up they open up to reveal. The showgirls in the back, they do the they do all the tropes, all the cliches, and my God, Robert, it was so well done and so funny, and I really, really do think that it wouldn't have been as successful had it been anyone else than those two guys. They are the only two people in the business. I'll go as far as to say WWE. Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, they're the only two people in the business who could have done this as well done as they did this. And this is acceptable to have well done, unlike a steak. And I got to tell you, I like the the Rat Pack. I like, you know, some Dean Martin, some Jerry Lewis. This was a good bit. This was an absolutely good bit. I don't know why I care to watch wrestling next week after this bit, but who cares? They entertained me. That was their job. They're clearly not doing anything wrestling related at this pay-per-view. And I've accepted that. And I'm fine with it. MJF can sing. Chris Jericho is a singer good at everything he does. You know, he's a singer. This was not heavy metal. This was not 80s karaoke metal. But he did this very well. I am a huge fan of everything I saw here. And more, more musical numbers from these two. Don't do it every week. But, you know, every now and again... Break out in the song. That's the thing. Let's, you know, a smattering will do a lot of good if you st- if you start bringing it back. Like, I'm terrified that El Gordo is going to become a thing, you know, just because it started trending on Twitter or whatever. Alex, what did you think of all of this? I know you you, you took the time to watch oh, yeah. this. I, I, I made sure I did not miss it. Um, uh, this this was uh, everything that is it is good <laughs> in sports entertainment. Uh, because half of that is entertainment. Uh, half of it is sports, which AEW gave us in spades today. Correct. That uh, Pentagon and Phoenix match was sports for the ages. And this was as entertaining as anything I've ever seen on a wrestling show. Um, these two guys are, are perfect to do this bit um, where they're they're fighting about how friendly they are to each other, which is which in, its, in and of itself is is funny. Um, 
uh, I like you more, no, I like you more, is a funny bit to extend to its logical farthest conclusion, which is to sing the Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra classic uh, Me and My Shadow uh, in an impromptu song and dance number complete with dancing girls like it's it's a it's a stewie and brian number from family guy that's a good example real life without like animation to like oh hey we're gonna rip off our regular clothes and we're wearing tuxedos like they do in animation no they just decided to wear the tuxedos to to the steak dinner this is all uh all of all all this was so good and you're right about uh mgf can can sing a hell of a lot better (laughs) And Chris, old Chris, professional <laughs> singer. But um, what I love about this is that it, I, I've always been watching MJF going like he's he's a young Jericho. Like I I, I absolutely could see MJF cutting the um, Man of a Thousand and Four Holds promo. Like it's that's just his shtick. And like you think about it, like that's how long it was was that nineteen ninety seven? Like how long ago that was that Jericho cut that? And now he's basically. Has the, the son he never knew he had, <laughs> MJF, and it's it, it's perfect for each other. Like there's like there's certain things that like terrible ideas that did not work at all in another wrestling promotion. Like oh, I found out that I have a long lost son, and it's Jason Jordan. Says Kurt Angle, which makes so much sense. That could somehow work if they wound up doing. Somehow MJF says, I found out you're my actual dad and convinces Jericho that he's his actual father. And Jericho says, oh my God, I'm a dad. And he does all the, they play catch together. All these things are available to us because these two guys don't have to throw a single punch to get this feud over. And eventually when it does come to blows, it'll be that much better because we watch them do again, a song and dance number complete with dancing girls after <laughs> arguing about who's who likes their steak bloodiest it's it these guys are, are geniuses and then they promptly by the way were just like you know what this is a mistake mistakes were made the, these steaks are too rare um look i'm not saying that i want to see wrestling break down into wacky antics no every week no. i uh, I have clearly taken umbrage with their ranking system. But the thing is, if you're going to do this anyway, I'm not going to fight you on it as long as you get the job done and make it entertaining. And this was entertaining. Because here's the thing. This this is the thing. If it's sporadic and it's well done, I'm good with it. If If you're trying to shove it down our throats like every week, we are entertaining you then that's when it becomes a problem. And when it's not necessarily, when it doesn't really serve the situation, I've talked about it before. The, uh, again, last week, the campaign stuff for the MJF Mox fight, I thought it was overwrought. I didn't think it was relevant. Mm-hmm. And I right. didn't think it was, I didn't think it was pertinent to the situation and did a disservice to MJF, who is such a charismatic, talented heel on his own. He did not need all the uh, all the campaign stuff, the lawyer stuff, all around that just didn't need it. DGMC left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says the only issue 
is that it wasn't at a Longhorn Steakhouse. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a good callback, but I don't think Longhorns is available to them right now. <laughs> uh, Evan Wright left us a super chat again. Thank you very much, Evan. He says, this and Jay White clapping for Tai Chi. We peaked. I agree. I, I, to me, personally, Jay White clapping for Tai Chi, Tai Chi serenading for him is still a high, high point of the year. Uh, DGMC left us another super chat. Thank you very much. Says the segment taught me that my evolution as a fan has led me to led me to no longer give a damn about pro wrestling, but rather being entertained. Bravo, bravo. See, I can't go that far. I won't go that far, but I will say I was entertained. I was entertained as well. Um, Jalon McKenzie left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Jalon says, why do people not eat their steaks that are cooked properly? Do you want it still mooing? Hang on a second. Now, hang on a second. Having a proper steak well done is not, that's not proper. That's not how you eat it. That's how you cook a burger. That's how you cook a burger. A steak, look, if you, medium, medium rare, rare, it's more tender. It's not blood that you're eating. It's because in the, when it's butchered, the blood gets extracted. So it's like, I think it's myoglobin that's, that, that's, that reacts and that pours out. So it's not really blood. We say we wanted bloody, bloody written. That's not it. It's full of vitamins. You, if it's fresh and properly taken care of, it's, it, it, you can't get sick. And look, it's made to, it's made to be cooked this way. If you have a proper cut of beef, like from an Angus, cow the entirety of that cow's life from beef to steak has been cajoled groomed into creating this experience for you that is meant that is meant to be tender and melt in your mouth wonderful that's how you eat a proper steak not stiff as a boot nice and melty and delicious and flavorful and yeah um, i have i i order all steaks medium because if they get it wrong a little bit on either side i'm still good i've ordered medium rare and sure. gotten just a slight slice of raw meat i've ordered medium well and gotten a charcoal briquette no medium that way if it's a little bit on either side i'm good but no no if, if you if you're getting your steaks well done you're just missing out on a like on one of the true joys of life absolutely see and i can break this down all day i'm a medium rare all day I, you know, I'll give them some leeway if they undercook it, but medium rare, it's supposed to be buttery, a twice baked potato, okay? Like, we can get into this all day. There will be an, uh, another podcast maybe on Select where we just talk about steak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the steaks are good. Like, I, I love steak. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> Anna Moore left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Anna. She says, can we stop talking about food? I'm trying to work out and I just want to eat yeah. now. <laughs> I kind of want to eat too. I think, are we yeah. done here? Like... We're, we're, we're all heading to Longhorn. Tay Boogie left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much. Says, if another company did a musical, we'd crap on it. I found it funny, but let's be honest. Okay, it... I used that line a lot last week and I, I do feel that way. Yes, it if this happened on a Monday Night Raw, this would be like completely run down. But also because they would overdo it, they would overproduce it. They would there would be so many wrong things about it, and then they would go, "Isn't it funny how much of an entertaining company we are that does entertainment?" And aren't we so entertaining with this? 
look, I'm not going to lie. I was like, wow, we really wasted three minutes on this. And yes, it did feel a bit off to me, especially when this company made the mistake of, again, branding themselves as a sports-centered program. But that being said, clearly they've gone the other way. There's no getting around that. And at least these guys did it well. Yeah, no, the, the difference between if they did this on Monday was then it would be bad. And this was good. Like, I, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily matter because it's a musical number. Doesn't make it good. It's because it was done well by two consummate professionals who are really good at applying their trade as opposed to elsewhere where that might not be the case. Um, Jordan Hanley left us a super chat again. Thank you. Jordan says Warren Hayes takes his meat very seriously. You goddamn right. I do. <laughs> ben Parise left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much. Ben says Warren being passionate about steak as ham. That's right. I love me. The, I love, I love that. Love me a good ham. Smithfield ham, honey cured ham, sugar cured prosciutto. All right, let's move on. Uh, Britt Baker uh, defeated Kylan King uh, as well tonight. Uh, this was, uh, of course, more on the epic comeback of uh, of Britt Baker, another step in this journey. Uh, she uh, picks King apart, uh, slams her head on the second turnbuckle, a sling blade, DDT, Fisherman's neck breaker, the stomp, and into the lockjaw. I Solid. Solid stuff by Britt, Robert. We're we're playing the long game. She's got to win this belt at full gear. It almost seems like they don't have anybody else at this point. You know, like, you got Nyla, and they have done nothing with her, which is a weird thing, that when they give people these legendary managers, they just drop them off the face of the earth. And that's, that's, that is what it is. But Britt Baker is working very hard to be great in her role and she is and kudos to again the mvp of everything Britt baker and that is tony shivani because tony shivani is working double time to make Britt baker a star and he does it very well i love how at some point he blurted all the lot. he blurted out line he said brit baker brit did you know that Britt baker is a duh omineering bitch <laughs> that was great that was just great um, Darby Allen is bringing back 1990s edginess as he hangs out with Steve-O and rolls down a, uh, a skate ramp in a body bag. I don't know if you have really anything to, uh, to add to this, Robert. Uh, welcome to Jackass. <laughs> the Fatal 4-Way concluded tonight's uh, AEW Dynamite where the young butts, excuse me, I guess I must have ham and steak on the mind. <laughs> Young Bucks. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Young Bucks defeated Butcher and the Blade, Private Party and Silver and Reynolds. You had a bit of everything in this match, Robert. You had the high flying, you had the athletics, you had the spots, you had the strong spots. Um, like, really, this was a combination of all sorts of styles that meshed really well. I dug this. Good match to close the show. I do want to note that, unfortunately, it appears Reynolds got hurt. He was being checked on after the match, which would be unfortunate because he's a huge part of the Dark Order. And it's never fun to see somebody go down to injury, especially in that company where they have been plagued by this with the Matt Hardy situation, Chris Statlander. You know, 
it's just not it's not a good thing you want to see. But one thing I have wanted to see for about two years at this point is FTR Young Bucks, and we're finally getting it. We're finally getting year. it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mm-hmm. And I think it's almost a mistake because this is the one tag team match in all of North America that can headline a pay-per-view and it really should. And I cannot wait until November 7th. I said this, uh, you know, I am in the the realm of Florida and I've considered actually maybe going to Daly's Place for this one just because I have wanted to see this for quite some time. Now, after the match, there's a, there's, there's a bit of an angle where FTR... Uh, come to the ring to offer up some beers. The young bucks slap them away. Uh, but uh, Nick gets attacked with a chair by someone in a mask. They attack the young bucks. They hit a the masked assailant and FTR do a triple indie taker, triple or the a triple team indie taker on the young bucks as well. They wrap a chair around Max Matt, Matt's leg and uh, do a stomp off the top rope. And the masked attacker is revealed to be Tully Blanchard. I don't know why he felt compelled to come in masked. Well, first of all, shout out to the uh, Tully Blanchard. He's doing the right thing. He's wearing a mask. I appreciate when people, especially of his generation, take the time to be considerate and wear a mask. Uh, Kudos to Tully for moving like it was 85. He was moving very well in that ring. Yeah, yeah, sure. To do the spike pile driver, which I believe they call the mind breaker, uh, FTR. I, I, I okay. The okay. Sorry, I thought this I, was I, I love this. Spot. I, I do. I love this. I think this is going to be the best tag team match. I may be setting myself up for a grand disappointment. Doesn't matter. I've been wanting this for years, and we're finally getting it. We are finally getting it. We're on our way there. That's that wraps up AEW Dynamite. We got a couple of more super chats here before we move on to NXT. Jaylon McKenzie again leaves us a super chat. Thank you very much. And goes moo moo, shut up, Warren, and cook it now. <laughs> True, <laughs> but thank you for the super chat. Drew Nichols <laughs> leaves uh, left us a super chat as well. Thank you, Drew. He says uh, when we were talking about um, when we were talking about the musical numbers uh, and the other company, they said they did do it on Monday with Elias. It was terrible. That's Comments, not very anyone? Nice. <laughs> 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 it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. He just lip synced it, which wasn't great, um, and uh, and uh, also uh, pointless because I don't. Yeah. I don't need to see the feud with Jeff Hardy. So, Tay Boogie left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much. As I rather enjoyed the Elias segment, which is which is fine. You know, it's different. A, it's, a, it's a good song. 
It, I, the song, the the song. song is actually pretty good. It, I think it's better than the quality of his first EP that he put out. Uh, we're definitely on another on another level. If he was taking off all that time to uh, to record and perfect, that was good. Evan Wright left us a super chat as well. It says it was Gato that chair shot sucked. Oh, that's not, as bad, not as bad as Jado's chair shots. Let me tell you. Let's move on to NXT. By the way, folks, hey, keep those super chats coming. I like reading them. I like t- uh, putting your uh, uh, putting your names in my mouth. Sure. Kushida versus Velveteen Dream versus Tommaso Ciampa is a match that happened this evening that opened up NXT. And boy, oh boy, it was a flurry of stuff. Uh, Ciampa attacks Dream immediately as Dream is making his entrance. And I'm like, wait, isn't Ciampa supposed to be a, a heel? There's a lot of fighting on the floor as Ciampa beats uh, both Kushida and Dream up. Uh, finally, when we get into the ring, Ciampa and Kushida have some great back and forth. A big sequence of chops where Ciampa lights both guys up in the corner. And I think he takes a couple of liberties on Velveteen Dream at the same time. I think Dream didn't want to take as many chops as he did, but he took them. Uh, Dream hits the Dream Valley driver on Champa, but uh, Kushida interrupts the three count. And Kushida, towards the end, he's just striking the hell out of everyone. Hits three consecutive Topican Helos twice on Dream. Uh, Dream hits Champa with his cast, and Kushida hits a German suplex on Champa with the bridge for the win. Alexander, um, tell me what you thought about the match. Um, well, we're we're because of. A, perhaps in hindsight, you shouldn't have let Dream wrestle with a hard cast on because that's kind of the thing that's going to happen with that. Hey, they, um, they let Cowboy Bob Orton do it for like a decade. I, I, I understand. It's a different time now. And if you're <laughs> if you're not clearing people for a couple of weeks because they got a boo-boo and he's wrestling with a hard cast, it's a problem. Um, uh, that, and also I didn't love the psychology in the match. Like... Both Kushida and Champa hate Velveteen Dream. I mean, I do too. But like, <laughs> um, I-, I would think that that they would be fine with the other of them beating the hell out of Dream because I mean, as long as they're not in the ring and not going for a pin, yeah, go ahead, have fun, like stomp the guy's face in if you want. There was this moment where Kushida's got him in an armbar on the outside, and and Dream is tapping like crazy. And Champa gets out there, stomps on Dream like twice, but then goes to town on Kushida, breaking up the the submission. Like Champa should have come out, sat on the apron, and watched as Kushida tore all the ligaments in sure. in, in Dream's elbow because the match can't end on the outside. Maybe maybe Champa does the thing he does where he sits in the apron and claps wildly, but he's clapping because he approves of what Kushida is doing. Like mm-hmm. that would be in character and also makes sense because Kushida can't win the match and all you're doing is hurting the guy that you hate. Now, out of the end of this, we're probably, this means we're going to get Velveteen Dream versus uh, Ciampa in a one-on-one match, which I'm fine with. And Kushida moves on, I'm assuming, to bigger and better things, let's hope. So, Kushida versus Priest is something I could really be into. Like, like just mm-hmm. like the, the idea, the, 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 the size difference. Like Kushida walking up to Priest, who's a foot taller than him, being like, I, I don't care. I'm going to snap all your ligaments. Like, I think that would be a really cool match to, to build to. Do that. 
we get uh, the Undisputed Era backstage with uh, Adam Cole via satellite, <laughs> who's uh, cutting a promo uh, with uh, with Roderick Strong, with Bobby Fish, with Kyle O'Reilly. And they talk about beating Brazongo. But a little later on in the evening, Alex, Bobby Fish gets attacked by a mysterious assailant, and he can't he can't compete. He's he's taken away to be examined. Later on, still, uh, Roderick Strong gets knocked out cold. So we end up with William Regal with Kyle O'Reilly, the lone remnant of the Undisputed Era uh, available that night, where he says, "Well, look, I promised a." tag team match for the for the titles and uh you're alone kyle i don't know what to do kyle is like i'm giving the match to only lorkin and danny birch and they're like no 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 dudes why don't you why don't you you pick one of us and kyle Riley's like nah man i i'm not wrestling i can't wrestle and he walks off so our main event gets switched around to uh to kyle Riley and excuse me uh lorkin and birch versus brazongo we'll talk about the match at the end, because there's a post-match angle, and I think we should save it for the end of the podcast as well. But what do you think about what did you think about uh, the build-up here, the little angle throughout the evening? Um, at the time, um, I uh, everyone was trying to get me to believe that it was Kyle that was turning on his friends, and I was like, "No, not my sweet baby face, Kyle." That they just spent like 16 minutes building before his match versus, versus Finn Balor. Like no, my sweet baby face Kyle would never do that, and I'm 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 glad. Spoiler alert that I was right. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, so I, I'm glad that we we're, we're moving on to something. It's it's interesting. I think this is all building to war games, and I can't I can't wait. I can't wait, guys. I can't wait. We get a Rhea Ripley uh, segment where uh, she says that uh, she's done daydreaming. It's time to bring the nightmare back, Alex. This is her division, Alex. Uh, I like the grid in this. I'm not going to lie. This is uh, getting me more excited than uh, I'm so glad to be in Tampa Bay, uh, Rhea Ripley. Oh, shucks. Just look at all them seats. Yeah. Look at that. Look, look, at, all, look, at, all, look at all them seats. Uh, a, a, girl, a girl like me from, from Australia. You know, what do you think? Ah, oh, gee. No, uh, that girl's gone. Uh, she wears black eyeliner now, and she's gonna stomp your head in. And I'm I'm totally cool with it. I think that it's she's she walks a line between uh, being um, being heelish and just being a certified badass, mm-hmm. and that's great. It works for her. I hope she never has to turn heel or face ever. She's just this thing because it's great. It works either way, depending on who she's facing. Um, Low key, I think the match I'm looking forward to the most at Halloween Havoc mm-hmm. is is Rhea versus uh, the former Reina. I think that that that's going to be so cool. Just like watching those two behemoths of women. In, in like it's it's the very funny we Sean and I coined the the phrase the sirloin beef sons of bitches division. Now we have a sirloin beef daughters of bitches division, and I'm just I'm totally here for it. And it is. A, it is not a well-done bunch of sore lines. It's not well done. No, no, no. I will say this. When Triple H takes the time out of a kickoff special on the Fox Network to just say, oh, who's going to main event WrestleMania in three years? Rhea Ripley. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Rhea Ripley is money. She is made. She would have to screw up very badly 
to not have the keys to the company handed to her because she's got it. Ember Moon, <clears throat> excuse me, had her very first uh, singles match since her return at TakeOver 31 versus Jessica Mea. Not much to talk about here outside the fact that it is nice to see Ember Moon competing again. I'm still living that. Uh, I'm still on that honeymoon, to be perfectly honest. Um, she uh, And she wins not by eclipse, Alex. She pulls something out out of her newly found bag of tri- tricks. A... A crouching, elevated camel clutch where she locks the legs up against her her abdomen and just she's lifting. She lifted Kamea off the ground. Um, and I look, I am cool with her coming up with another submission. You can't be doing eclipses all your life. It's like when Kyrie Sane debuted the anchor. I'm like, thank God, because every time she did one of her elbow drops, she took uh, two years off of her career every time. So I'm okay. I may, might be exaggerating, but you know what I mean? Your bump card does fill up at some point. I'm okay with this. Tell me more, Alex. Um, uh, yeah, I loved it. Um, yeah, I'm totally here for Ember occasionally doing, I don't know what they're going to call that. Um, they'll have some weird moon themed pun that they'll talk about. It. I'm not sh- the, 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 the dark side. Oh, there you go. The dark side of the moon. That's good. I like that. Um, but what I loved about it was Kamea uh, is where uh, wrestling with his uh, pigtails in, mm-hmm. and Ember couldn't reach all the way forward to grab her by the chin initially, so she just grabbed one pigtail and another and pulled her up so she could get under with the chin and then cranked back on it. Ah, it was so good. Again, they're allowing Ember to just be a badass. Yeah, to yeah. not be anything. Just she's just a badass, which is great, and she. Oh God! This is the it. It hurt my heart to watch her be forgotten about on the main roster. Like she's mm. one of the most athletic beings I've ever seen in the ring, male or female. She's such a joy to watch, and like she was just like, oh, well, we don't care. We we have nothing for you, kid. And to have like come back and get to wrestle like she's starting now a feud with Dakota Kai, which like signed me up for four or five matches of that. That'll be great. It will be great. I'm looking forward to it. Because Dakota Kai did attack her after the match. So it's good stuff. It is really, really, really good stuff. Austin Theory uh, Austin Theory had a, a match with Bronson, Bronson Reed where he, uh, where he tried to, to fight him. Couldn't qu- it, 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 Bronson Reed tossed him around a bit. Theory tried to work him down with some headlocks. But uh, there's some top rope shenanigans that end with a, uh, a big top rope splash by Bronson Reed that ends the match. But Austin Reed rolls out, uh, Austin Theory, excuse me, rolls out of the ring, grabs a microphone and says, look, I'm the future of NXT. I'm the future of WWE. I'm not leaving this ring until I defeat you. And Bronson Reed's like, okay, you, you, you want to fight again? And he's very happy to oblige. Hits the ring, hits a Samoan drop, and uh, maybe it's, uh, I, I only think uh, Kenny Omega's match might have been slightly shorter tonight. Um, and and then uh, that that was the match. A little later on in the evening, we see Austin Theory leaving in in his car. Uh, we're trying to get a comment, and he simply says, "Alex, I quit." Mm-hmm. Tell us, walk us through all of this. What do you think of the match? Where do you think we're going with this Austin Theory, Theory stuff? 
Austin Theory has been back, what, for six weeks? Two months? Something like that. Something like that. Uh, He hasn't won a match since he's been back. Mm -hmm. The the match he actually did the best in was against the current North American champion, so figure that out. Um, uh, Which doesn't make him look good. It it makes Priest look bad. So, um, but this is the second time he's, now, now, twice tonight, the third time he's lost to Bronson Reed in that time. Um, He, uh... He loses matches, loses matches, loses matches. Getting back in the ring and saying, um, I'm not going to leave until I defeat you, is, is, a, is a character beat. It's a story beat. It, it leads to something. Him getting squashed immediately after that is a story beat. It leads to something. The thing it leads to is him quitting NXT. So now where do you go from here? Like he, he decides not to quit, and then he comes back. Does he continue losing matches? Because if so, that's a waste. Does he start winning matches? Okay, then what? Does he go on a run and he gets into like title contention? Okay, what does that say? What is it? What is the sto- what is the story you're telling with Austin Theory that like um, that it's wrong to quit and because he did he saw something in himself and becomes blossoms into like somebody better like he he's making improvements is he going to be a baby face by the end of this? I'm trying to work out any possible story beats with this thing going ahead and I don't see any of them. What this looks like to me is that somebody in the back is really pissed off at Austin Theory. And and what it what it because like to quit is one of the worst things you could do in the eyes of Vince and Triple H. So to have him do that as his character, that's a that says something. Like now you've got to figure out where you're going with this because if he just quits and we don't see him for a while, when he comes back, you're not allowed to like, oh well, he's a different guy now. No, you now you gotta tell the story of him quitting and coming back. I just don't have confidence in them doing anything good with it. Remember a few years ago where Kevin Owens went on a losing mm-hmm. streak and he sat in the middle of the ring and he, it, it, after he lost, sat through there through the entire commercial break, came back, sitting there in the middle of the ring in a chair, forlorn, tears in his eyes, finally messes up the courage to say to a microphone, I quit, and he walks off. He was back the next week. They never mentioned it again. Mm-hmm. So, like... You had an opportunity there to tell an amazing story with Kevin Owens, one of the best actors you've gotten the, that you've ever had on, on any roster, and you didn't do it with him. Why are you going to do it with Austin Theory? I, I think this is all going nowhere. They don't know what they're doing, and unless it's going to parlay itself into the main event angle where somebody pays him to get his head back in the game, and maybe he's motivated <laughs> by money. I mean... First of all, he's not a very bright man. Just seeing as a couple of weeks ago, he beat Leon Ruff, actually won a match, and then just decided to stick around long enough to lose one. But he also has a connection to Seth Rollins. And like, why are you toiling around on NXT when you could they be losing on SmackDown? That. They still have never brought up why he was with Seth Rollins, then went away, and now he's on NXT. They haven't brought that up ever. Listen, pal, if you're going to be a serial loser, you lose on the main roster, and then you're Bray Wyatt, and you're Evergreen. (laughs) Um, We have a segment where Zia Lee is backstage thanking Casey Catanzaro for accepting the match that she begged William Regal for last week because she has to win tonight. Let's talk about the match then, or at least, well, you know, let's go over it. Where Zia Lee uh, lost to Katie Catanzaro. Um, Kevin Zero does get some good offense in at first. Um, Lee gets some big strikes in, but Kevin Zero rolls her up for the win. Before we get to the uh, post match angle, uh, we didn't see anyone from the party tonight, Alex. Uh, 
where do you, where are we going from here with uh, with Zia Lee and her uh, her troubles? I just love that they do the whole thing with her to, to Casey. Like, you don't understand, Casey. Thank you for giving me this match. I really appreciate it. I have to win this match. I have to win this match. This is the most important match of my entire career. I have to win this match. So, so of course you're going to lose the match because the, them them building it up that way. The only thing that makes sense is for those, if she wins the match, like oh thank God you won the match. Now what? No, she loses the match, and the answer is now. Now the same question is now what? Mm-hmm. Who's this person who sent her a letter? Who's like you know like what what is this thing now? All that happened after she lost the match is that she beat up the person that she, that beat her, uh, and then beat up that person's friend, and then got her own ass kicked by somebody who's not even involved in this feud, which pushes this further down the card in our in our minds. So, are you trying to build up some story where Zia Lee is going to be punished by some unseen force if she continues to lose matches? Then she loses the match, and we're get that's. I don't think that angle is going to be addressed at Halloween Havoc. So we're going to wait another two weeks before we figure out what the hell happened. And guess what? They're not going to even address it then. We, it might be like Survivor Series time before we actually get to figure out who the hell this person is who's sending her letters. Unless the person sending her letters is a vampire. He, he, don't he, tell me you don't the, tell the, me you the, vampire, this. the vampire would like his steak bloody. There you go. Uh, Alex meant as hinted at it after this match, Zaylee did beat down uh, Kitty Catanzaro and um, and uh, Miss Caitlin as well. The uh, but Raquel Gonzalez, Reina Gonzalez, Raquel Gonzalez comes to the ring, beats everyone up, and then she calls out Rhea Ripley on her match next week. Uh, and like Alex said earlier, this is one that uh, I think is a uh, low key. Going to be one of the better uh, better matches of the evening. I really do believe that. Uh, and then we had uh, Legado del Fantasma taking on Jake Atlas, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and Ashante the Adonis. Uh, this was a fast-paced match throughout. Uh, Atlas, I thought Atlas really shined in this match tonight. Uh, he hits a uh, he hits a PK to the spine of. Whacking wild before Ashanti comes in and hits a flapjack. Uh, Jake hits a series of uh, suplexes. Uh, he gets two off of the trio of suplexes before uh, Swerve Scott hits a tope that takes out all three members of the uh, of Phantasma, which was a little iffy. I think he overshot it, but hey, we'll 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 give him we'll give him his due. Uh, Adonis is your babyface in peril for this match here uh, when the heels take over, and then there's this incredible spot where. Wild hits the ropes for a Topican Hilo. Jake Atlas is on the apron. Wild takes off for his uh, for his Topican Hilo, and as he's midair, Jake Atlas catches him and reverts it into a Spanish fly onto the floor, onto everyone who was on the floor. That was nuts. Santos hits a crazy suicide dive onto the announce table. Uh, um, Isaiah on hits Isaiah onto the table. Um, before uh, Atlas hits the rainbow DDT onto Santos on the floor. Back in the ring, though, Wacken Wild and Mendoza hit Ashante with a double-team move for the pin and the win. A lot of stuff going on here, but man, Alex, that spot that Topicon Hilo converted into a Spanish fly off the apron to the floor. 
205 Live is really good right now, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just on NXT. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, I love this. It reminded me of those crazy six-man tag matches in the great times of, of, of 205 Live. Um, that yeah, the 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 topic on Hilo reversed into a, a a Spanish fly was amazing. Uh, that that cartwheel DDT, as you call the rainbow DDT, is a thing of beauty. My favorite because I'm a, I'm a lucha underground guy uh, from way back was was the old King Cuerno Santos Escobar busting out the arrow from the depths of hell where he runs and hits the hits yeah. the ropes hits the ropes hits the ropes again and then hits the, he's got the best suicide dive in the history of wrestling and nobody can tell me different and you know how some you know, sometimes when they're building steam wrestlers you know they'll hit the ropes and right. they'll hit the ropes and they'll they'll keep running but he goes faster yes like he yeah. purposefully picks up speed yes. yeah that's great that's what's great about it I, yeah. this was a fun match it was good We'll see where they go from there. There's a whole po- uh, possibility of feuds here, but uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. This was a fun match. We uh, had the Garganos hanging out at home with their uh, with their trainer wheel. Their, their trainer, <laughs> spin the wheel, feel the pain, Alex. Hang on a second. We just got to talk about this for a second. Yeah, nope. Shotzi in her, in her commercial, nope. she flubbed the line. Why are they having her say... Spin the wheel, feel the pain. It's not a line flub. Like that's in the graphic now. No, no, I know, I know. But uh, like, they, I, did, did spin the wheel make the deal? Is that is that copyrighted somewhere? And they couldn't get it back. No, like, it was on the graphics for next week. They just decided to add another line. Feel the pain. Well, if you're gonna say, I'm sorry. If you're gonna say spin the wheel, you gotta say the pain you will feel. You just have to have the rhyme. Like spin the wheel, feel the pain doesn't make any friggin' sense. Um, I thought this this segment was darling. I love. Um, I guess I said darling. I love. Uh, <laughs> Candice. We've Candace. said we've said all sorts of things tonight, Alex. Yeah. So. <laughs> Candice. Uh, Candice being gently fed up with her husband. Like yes, no, I, I understand. No, you've you've said that. You said that many times. I no, I, I get. I, you said it. Like that was just, it's so sweet to watch them just be a husband and wife where Johnny goes off about how much he hates wheels. And you can tell he's been telling her this for the last four days. Um, I love how, <laughs> how fed up he gets with like a buried alive match. Now I'm dead. Now I'm not, I'm not, al- I'm not dead. I'm alive, but I'm underground. How is that fair? Um, all great. And her, she gets the trick or street fight, which is not fair. Like that, those two things are not weighted evenly. Like there, there needs to be like, you can't get possibly buried alive or possibly lit on fire in an inferno match or possibly put in a casket those are terrifying things a trick or street fight is that thing they do on smackdown everywhere where cesaro wears a pumpkin as a hat that's it like that's not (laughs) nearly as as frightening as the other things um but i i do i did love that he got so mad at the wheel he almost kicked it yeah like he he fainted a, a super kick to the wheel and i thought that was just great um uh, I, actually, I thought he was going to do it. I'm, I'm actually happy I, he I, I didn't really do did. it. I, I I can't wait just to see Johnny Gargano's reaction to whatever the hell match he gets put into. Mm-hmm. I'm not really looking forward to the match because I think it'll be overwrought and, 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 and not great. But his reaction to whatever it is the wheel lands on, that'll be fun. Killian Dane and Drake Maverick took on Everize this week. Uh, Drake is immediately driven into the corner, doubled up on before Dane gets the blind tag. Uh, Drake is dumped out of the ring before Dane runs over both Parker and Martell. 
Parker chop blocks Dane multiple times, runs him down until uh, he gets him into a single leg Boston Crab. And uh, the uh, and uh, Martell is outside with uh, with um, with Drake showing him the agony that his partner is in and he can't do anything about it. Oh, you think. But Drake is able to get a chair and crack it across Parker's back, forcing the DQ ever rise win. However, after the match, after this is, all goes down, Killian Dane is stoked at the result. He's happy. He congratulates Drake for the chair, saving him. We There's been some bonding tonight, Alex. Um, like it's, it's weird how they, they continue to add levels. And I, I, I absolutely believe this is all Drake Maverick's doing like that. They've given him carte blanche and he's coming up with cool ideas because this is not, this is not written like the normal storylines. It has a progression every week. Like, yeah, there's Killian, new stuff. Killian, Killian Dane, um, uh, punching, um, uh, uh, punching out the guys who hit. Drake Maverick says, nobody gets to hit you but me last week. That's a story beat. That moves the characters forward. Tonight, Drake Maverick got so full of rage when when hearing somebody denigrate his best friend, Killian Dane, that he went into a murderous rampage with a chair. That's an unforeseen character trait we've never, we've never seen before. And now that's a character beat. It moves the story forward. Killian Dane... You think he's going to be mad because Drake Maverick cost him the, the win. But no, it's the for the first time we've seen Killian Dane really like Drake Maverick, like really like him. That's an unforeseen character beat, which moves the story forward. There were two in the same segment tonight. That never happens. This is all Drake Maverick's doing, I'm convinced. Um, but, but... Killian Dane still thinks that the music is a bridge too far. He will not dance to the music. That's next week. He hasn't capitulated just yet. I think you know, it saves until the championship win. I think that's it's saved till the end of the Dusty Classic. That's what you do. <laughs> that, you save it for one. Yep, yep. That's the real payoff yep. there. Yeah. Um, the, so uh, next we get to Cameron Grimes, who's facing Dexter Loomis next week uh, in uh, at Halloween Havoc. Um he gets informed that his match is a haunted house of terror match. And that, that frightens him. It blindsides him. He wasn't expecting that. And he cuts his promo as Dexter Loomis stares at him through a glass door. Uh, Well, I look, you guys know, I love Cameron Grimes. I think this is fantastic. And you have two of the most over the top characters in NXT, just going at it here and they're complete and total opposites. I mean, this is good stuff. I I I love that um, they uh, they have to use alliteration all the time. They just have to. It's in their blood. So they don't call it a haunted house of horrors match because they already had a house of horrors match a couple of years ago, and it was so terrible. They're not allowed to call anything a house of horrors match. They have to call it a haunted house of terror match. You could have called it a, a terrible. Tower of Terror match. You could have done something there, but they decided not to. Um, this is this is great. Um, I hope I hope the haunted house of terror is is just Dexter Loomis's house, and and it's like a place in the suburbs, uh, like outside of Orlando. And Cameron drives drives up and walks in, but as he it looks fine from the outside, you know, picket fence and everything. But he opens the door and it's just like bodies dangling from the ceiling. I can't I can't. That's your, it's gonna be so good. 
You've been wanting that for Dexter Loomis for as long as he debuted, Alex. I really, I really have. I, I continue to. I will never stop wanting it. <laughs> and nobody's talking about the absolute creepy Dexter Loomis is just watching this yeah. interview, and he's never acknowledged. Not by no. Mackenzie, no. not by Cameron. No. They just don't see him. They, they feel his presence, but they don't see him. <sighs> Who would have thought that when Sam Shaw got his gut check, <laughs> what must have been like a decade ago, that... <laughs> The business would do this much of a number on him mentally. It's terrible. <laughs> um, next, we get a segment with Timothy Thatcher doing a, uh, a, a an exhibition uh, of uh, of catch style wrestling. He does a, shows off a couple of techniques off of Anthony, no Andrew, uh, in, in the ring. Uh, he um, and eventually he gets him into a double wrist lock and he extends it a little too long as Anthony Andrew is tapping out. Uh, he just hangs it in there. Anthony takes, uh, takes offense to this. He, uh, he actually locks Thatcher into a, into a headlock as Thatcher says, well, okay, big guy, do something about it. He does. And Thatcher, he himself is like, all right, big man, you want, you want to scrap? Let's get a referee in here and have an impromptu match in this exhibition. But, uh, uh, Thatcher, uh, Thatcher takes a, uh, takes a pot shot at him before the match starts. And he just beats the living hell out of Anthony Andrew. And the match ends with a uh, a single leg crab by Thatcher, who just leaves it in there a little too long. What do you think of this segment, Alex? Um, I was talking with a uh, 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 host of the show for, for a while, uh, Stephen Jensen, uh, when, when Warren was away. Uh, we were talking about uh, Timothy Thatcher and how great these segments are. And how much better they would be if he had won a match in recent memory. Um, and we were talking about how the thing we all know him for is beating Matt Riddle in the fight pit. Mm-hmm. That was in May. But Matt Riddle won. Matt Riddle won the match. In the fight pit? Yeah. Yes, it no. was Riddle's send-off. No, but yeah, Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle lost. Matt Riddle lost. And then, Matt Riddle lost and then went, went to SmackDown. Like he made a SmackDown de- debut, they said on uh, it's June third. So Matt Riddle, no, Matt Riddle lost that match. That was a major uh, thing that that Timothy Thatcher beat him. And then, like, I don't remember a, a real signature victory for him since then. He's been in North American title contention. He's been in. He was in like multiple man matches to um, to determine a, a contender for the. NXT title, but he hasn't been winning matches. Mm-hmm. I, I love Timothy Thatcher. I think he should be using all of these amazing scouting things that he comes up with in these, you know, Thatcher's Thatch can stuff. Um, I I thought that he should maybe be winning matches with those things because then all the all his advice he's giving to his students seems to be for naught. Well, if he's going to win as a pure wrestler, how does that prepare him for his inevitable role as Cesaro's replacement as the golden <laughs> goose who loses everything on the main roster. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, and, and you guys were right. I, was, I, I got confused for a second. You were absolutely right. Matt, Matt Riddle did lose in the fight pit. Um, Damien Priest talks about Johnny Gargano when he's, while he's getting a tattoo done. That's very rock and roll of him. But let's get to the main event. Brizongo versus Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. Um, Brizongo are in charge for uh, for a good part of this match here. Fandango hits a fucking arrow at, at some point, even the top rope leg drop, but it doesn't put uh, Birch and Lorcan away. 
Uh, Birch and Lorcan do a double submission on, I think it's, it was Tyler Breeze, as the referee threatens a DQ. And I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Stop, stop, stop. You're, you're, you're fighting for, the, you're fighting for the, the titles here. Cut that stuff off. Um, it, it's, a, it's a pretty good match. Uh, it's a pretty good match leading into the ending here where there's someone who crawls out from under the ring to push Fandango off the top rope as he's preparing probably for another leg drop. And that uh, dis- the referee then gets distracted. It allows Danny Birch to hit a low blow on Breeze. And he covers him. And Alex, Danny Birch, and Oni Lorcan have gold in mm-hmm. WWE. First time, my dude. Can't say I'm, uh, I don't enjoy this. I love Danny Birch. I think Oni Lorcan is a criminally underused talent. Uh fun result what'd you think of all of this before we get to the post-match angle um i i think it's really cool that they've used this time where they're really really um uh thin on tag teams like who should be at the top of the division that the guys who were erstwhile like almost contenders are now getting actual title reigns Mm -hmm. um uh, uh imperium those guys were so great um, but they never actually quite quite made it until now they are uh, they, the former titles. It's leading into uh, Brizongo, who criminally never held titles in WWE ever. Um, and then uh, Lorcan and Birch, who had like a takeover match that was great. Fantastic. Uh, a, a while ago. Um, so like they, they were title contenders at one point, but then kind of got pushed back down the card. And they've so always great. been workhorses. Always, always been workers. Always. And you could always count on them to do great in these matches. Yep. So what I love is that they're able to get everybody to say, now they can say former tag team champions about three teams that you would never have thought they were actually going to pull the trigger on before all of this. So if everything goes back to quote unquote normal, and these people are still in NXT, um, they have this opportunity to like now. Now it looks like the NXT tag division is deeper than it actually is because you've got three former tag team champion teams running around. Um, uh, pour one out for Brizongo's reign. I, I thought that there was a lot more they could have done there with with these two. Like somebody needed to steal the tag belts, and they had to like go looking for them over the course of like three weeks. <laughs> Like doing like with like like Sherlock Holmes caps and everything and giant magnifying glasses until they realize they just left them in the trunk of Fandango's car. Like it's got to be like something. There, there was so much to do there with these guys. I'm just saying you can't keep doing it because they're 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 there. They're gonna be great stuff. But um, it's cool to see Oni and Danny as tag champs. One e and two e, as they say. After the match. Lorcan and Birch rightfully so celebrate in the ring. They're a little stunned at the same time. Can't say I blame them. But then they're joined by the hooded masked individual. Was it a member of Retribution? No. Uh, whoever, but we do get the reveal of whoever was wearing that uh, Doctor Doom slash uh, ghost from uh, House, uh, the Haunted House, uh, the Bly show. You know, it's sort of a combination between those two. It reveals himself to be none other than pat mcafee who is back number one tip top heel of course alex the guy who wants to take out adam cole is pat mcafee what were we were we thinking should, we, we were thinking outside the box a little too much jeez yeah. um i i think i i don't i don't want to give them too much credit um 
because they are a WWE property in 2020, after all. I think this was always the plan. I think this was always the plan. Like even the Oni and 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 da- and Danny fighting with Ridge Holland, I think that was to throw us off the trail. I think that it was supposed to be a foursome of Pat and Oni and, and Danny and Ridge, and there's your there's your foursome that goes there's into the- war games yeah. versus the Undisputed Era. And now we got no Ridge, so they got to find somebody else to be the fourth. But I feel like that was always. I feel like it was always the plan be- just because of all of that. But um, Pat McAfee beh- behind everything makes perfect sense. It um, does? It, to, no, to, to me it does. Okay. Like, um, well, like who who hates Adam Cole more? But he, the, I agree. But look at everything he has masterminded, Alex. What a, what a, what a puppeteer. This is Dr. Doom levels of, of manipulation here. I, I, I believe it. Like, like, <laughs> like the thing is like the, the, the promos that he cut like that, this guy is an, a master manipulator. Like the things that I, I totally believe he could have, he could turn Oni uh, and Danny heel just by like talking to him for 15 seconds. And Ridge, you know, like Ridge, Ridge needs money for his uh, big black dildo uh, fetish. So he he needs he needs that. So that's why he got that. And he plus he bought the car. Like no, I, I, like I totally understand. Like he could be bought. Like this is this is great. Um, I I'm totally here for it. Like when I'm, I was unexpectedly delighted by that Cole versus Pat McAfee feud, and I thought I don't want this to be a one off. Yeah. Like if you're gonna keep Adam Cole out of the actual title picture. Like, here we go. Like, this is a cool thing. You can have something to do with Adam Cole that isn't be ruined on the main roster because he's too short. Right. Like, this is something that could really work. And you don't, the title doesn't have to be involved at all. You can keep the title on, in, in, anywhere else, but still have a basic main event level feud between Adam Cole and Pat McAfee because it could be great. And sure. I mean, is it kind of random that it's, that it's Oni and Danny and it used to be Ridge and now it's going to be, I don't know somebody as as austin theory as as the as the other guy who's going to be wrapped in there sure but it's always going to be fun because pat mcafee won't let it not be fun the thing that what if that was the plan i'm you know and and mcafee did assemble these three guys i mean i i these are the three guys i would have put together right just three brawlers three guys who just want to fight and hurt people and beat people up and that's what they're good at you know if you're going to String a group of people of uh, to to be mercs and just do your bidding, just to go and beat people up. Ridge, Birch, Danny Birch, are you kidding me? And Oni, Oni lives on a park under a park bench. We follow his Twitter. We know what's up. Danny Birch has bloodstains on his knuckles from 1975. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> JJ Lee lift does a super chat. Thank you very much. Uh, JJ Lee says McAfee brought a team. Pat Ridge and the Brawlers would have been a wild faction. Uh, now that I, now that I see that's where they were going, I'm sad Ridge is out. I got to agree. It, it would have, this whole really, thing really would have elevated him. He would have been the guy administering all the beatdowns. He would have looked like a, like a, like a complete hoss in the ring with, with all those guys. Not only that, not only the people he's up against on an in in undisputed era, but the guys on his own team would look like tiny compared to him. And he's not that big, but it would make him look even bigger. Like, it's really too bad. It really is too bad for Ridge Holland. Ty Boogie left us a super chat saying, Pat is back and I love it. I thought they did. A... Pat McAfee is going to go down in WWE history as one of the most successful 
crossover mm-hmm. uh, star events the matches. Thing about, the, about Pat McAfee is there's a there's a he's still relatively young. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the idea that he could go from the NFL to his little podcasting type world to being a host of of some WWE type stuff to in ring worker slash manager for as long as he wants to do that. And then he's talented enough, I believe, that then could cross over from there into like movies and stuff and TV. So he might be the first ever like like crossover into and then crossover out of, of WWE. Like, I know there've been guys like football, but like, like Dwayne Johnson played a little bit. Like it, it, he played some at, at University of Miami, but it wasn't the same thing. Brock Lesnar was a wrestler, but like professional pro bowl punter to, yes. to podcasty type stuff to in-ring worker, to beyond, is really interesting. The potential is there. I don't know that it'll be realized, but the potential is absolutely there. And just to cap it off, he likes the business, and he respects the business. He's not cutting his promos with a little sly grin when (laughs) I'm playing along here. or he's, He's invested in it. That's what I liked about the original feud with Adam Cole, is that McAfee's going all in on it. He yep. understands it. He likes what he's doing and he's respecting the business, which is something that doesn't happen all that often when you get outsiders coming in. But, uh, but yeah, that'll wrap it up for this week for the, this edition of the Wednesday night wars podcast. Remember folks in two weeks, starting November 4th, new start time for the podcast, 10 30 PM Eastern standard time. Be sure to like immediately jot it down in your planners and your calendars. I don't like you don't want to forget that when you come in like at 10, 10, you're like, oh, the guys are late. The guys are late. Look at how late they are. No, it's starting at 1030, starting November 4th. Uh, Robert, what's going on with you? Tell the people where they can find you on social media. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Dude Felice. Check out everything I'm doing over on WrestleZone and SmartOut Moment, and I will be here this weekend on Fightful to cover Bound for Glory and Hell in a Cell. It'll be a great weekend, and I'm looking forward to it. Alex, what about you over on the Fightful Select World of Things? Uh, you can follow me uh, at Alex Sourgraps on the Twitter, uh, and I do uh, 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 just just misery-based podcasting. On, on 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 Tuesday nights and Saturday nights, like like Monday night was legitimately the first night that I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore, just because Raw was just so soul crushingly awful. But I do enjoy doing the podcast and getting feedback from everybody out in the fightful faithful. So I'll never stop doing it. But I want you to know, I endure a lot of pain for you people, but that's okay because I love you. Well, there you go. You know, Alex loses a bit of himself. You get entertained. It's a fair trade. Yeah. <laughs> and, on, and as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes or on my own YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. I do live shows every Thursday evening, 9 p.m. Hey, tomorrow's Thursday. Come check it out. Subscribe while you're at it. And subscribe to Fightful Select while you're at it. Support Fightful that way. It is a good way of doing it. Hope you enjoyed the evening. We sure did. We'll see you guys next week.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.